Combo Nation, episode 247. We're here, man. Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 247 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Also, man, tell a friend to tell a friend about Combo's Court Podcast. Today's show, Mike O'Connor, formerly of The Athletic, now Sixers writer for the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, joins in a fantastic conversation with Mike. We discussed the Blake Griffin net signing, reacted to the 2021 All-Star game, and also talked about Ben Simmons' early season play and more. A fantastic conversation. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You can find Mike on Twitter at M-O-Connor underscore N-B-A. That's M-O-C-O-N-N-O-R underscore N-B-A. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Mike O'Connor, formerly of The Athletic, now Sixers writer for the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. Oh, man. Anytime. I've actually had Spike on. So, you know, we've talked about the pod. Um, I know you're writing for him. We even talked about Ricky Sanchez uh, himself. <laughs> but um, I brought you on because, man, you have some great videos, really in-depth analysis when it comes to Ben. I feel like my opinion of Ben and many others' opinion of Ben don't really land the same. I don't know. I'm a lot higher mm-hmm. on him than most. I want to get into that. But, you know, let's start with the All-Star game. Crazy news to start out that Ben and Joel won't even be there. What were your initial reactions to that and the All-Star game in general? My first thought was, this is the world we live in. It's crazy. Like, nothing is given. Every day is just just different. Um, And the second thought was, I worry about what it could do to the Sixers, even if, even if, like, they are able to, you know, only miss one game or something like that, test negative the whole time, like, I just it would have been good for them to have that momentum where everything is smooth sailing and they play well in the all-star game and this and that like they had just come off such a huge win. And I think myself and everybody else was expecting like good vibes, you know, just reflect on that confidence the entire all-star break and just take off. Right. Right. And that's not what happened. I mean, I hope they're able to regroup and I think Doc will be good at, you know, keeping everybody's head on straight. But like, man, it just would have been cool to see them just ride out the good vibes for a while. And, uh, and the the universe just wasn't allowing it. Unbelievable. There were some good vibes. I like the spotlight that was shown on the HBCUs. That was really good. I thought the three point contest was phenomenal. Steph Curry, man, just winning it at the buzzer. The dunk contest was okay. I mean, Anthony Simons has some crazy bounce, man, crazy bounce. And the all-star game, you know, it was pretty good. It was missing Joel and Ben though, man. It definitely was. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I thought the whole, they did, like you said, they did a great job the whole night. I think the only letdown in the chain was Kevin Durant for drafting such a bad team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, if he would have just done a better job and had the teams more, you know, even. Like, I was I, I was excited. You know, the game was a little bit of a drag, you know, just because it was so lopsided. And I, 
I kept getting excited for the fourth quarter to see the Elam ending and all that stuff. And, but yeah. And then like midway through the third quarter, I was like, well, I guess we're just not going to get that fun Elam ending, like the tight, you know, yeah, yeah. Dame, Dame made it cool at the end, but I was expecting like a tight finish and, and it just never happened. Damn. Dame just doesn't seem to disappoint when it comes nope. to that time of the game. Right. No, man. Unbelievable. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for that shot to be not that specific shot, maybe like five feet inside that to just become like more and more frequent. Yeah. Like, th- they attempted, I, I swear, Steph and Dame attempted between the two of them, probably 10 and made like four. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, they keep pushing the envelope. I think it'll get to a point where they're like pulling from there when the shot clock isn't running out or anything like mm-hmm. that on the regular. Um, let's 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 shift to Blake Griffin before we get into Ben. Um, big signing, you know, big signing for the Nets, I think. I mean, I think it's bigger than some people are giving it credit for. Obviously, it's not the same Blake Griffin as we all know from back in his Clipper days. But I think there might be more there than people think. Who know how? Who knows how hard he was playing? Who knows if he really wanted to be with the Pistons? Defensively, I don't think it'll make a difference when it comes to guarding Joel Embiid. I think a lot of that might fall on Durant, which is tough after an Achilles injury. But what are your thoughts on the Blake Griffin signing with the Brooklyn Nets? So Blake has looked really bad. Um, yeah, I'm still inclined to say just because of the way he plays and his his skill level that there's something left like I think so too how many guys at 610 can shoot threes and handle the ball and pass like he can like that's the thing about Blake is everybody talks about how like his athleticism is just gone it's like yeah but this is a guy who also built so much of his game on passing and shooting and skill like there's got to be something left I mean even if it's 70 percent of what he was 60 percent of what he was I have no idea um but as far as it goes, as far as like the matchup with the Sixers and Joel and stuff like that, like there's just there's no one on the planet who can guard Joel. Like You're he right. went he went through Rudy Gobert's chest. Like Rudy Gobert is a def- is defensive and so, player. That, and so did Ben, by the way, that yeah. game that Joel didn't play. Yeah, that is true. That is yeah. true. Um, I've said this before other places. I think that defending Joel is more about team defense than individual defense. Right. Like the Raptors do the best job with him, and it's all because they just like. They, they double at weird times and they, they scramble so well. And um, they're able to make those like stunts in the lane and recover like Van Fleet can be in two places at once. And I think that's how you defend Joel. I don't think it has as much to do with individual defense. And even if it did, Blake Griffin's not the guy, you know? Right, right. Yeah. That's whenever I actually watch the Nets play, I mean, they are playing great, but I do think about like, how would this look them trying to guard Joel in a series? Like it would be tough. I mean, I know Durant's not there right now, but. That's all I think, think about. Do you think so? Like, like circling, like back on that, on the, like the team defense aspect, do you think it's possible for the Nets who have so many guys who are so wired for offense and like KD when he's locked in is a really good defender. James Harden when he's totally locked in is a, is a decent defender. Do you think it's possible for them to hit that gear and have that level of cohesion in the playoffs? I do. I think obviously when your focus is on offense, I mean, it takes away from your defense. So Honestly, even though KD is their best player and you could make an argument, their best offensive player, I think he might have to take a slight step back and really focus on defense, which is unfortunate because he's their best player. But I think, you know, he's done it with the Warriors where, you know, he's shown great rim protection and he showed he was the probably the best defender in the league. You know, I think he could really play that role well. And obviously you need to have schemes, as you said, from a team defensive standpoint. Do you think that could happen that way? I I, want to believe it. I, I do. I just don't, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, you know, I, I will say 
We've seen the 2016 finals. Kyrie was like as locked in as, as we've ever seen. And he like, I don't think he missed a switch the entire series. So like, yeah, it's probably there, but it's just so hard to imagine like guys having that type of demeanor. Like I just, like I said, I compare and contrast it to the Raptors and I'm like, Van Vliet's been grinding on defense his whole life. OG Ananobi's been grinding on defense his whole yeah. life. Kyle Lowry's yeah. been grinding on his defense his whole that life. That was almost some of those guys' foundation. Like, that was right. – you know, Right, exactly. And it's like – I don't – like, I, I I don't know if an entire team can flip the switch defensively. I don't know. Yeah, and then it they might not and still win because they're that yeah. good on offense, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, it might not matter at all. Yeah. Okay, let's shift to Ben. Uh, you know, you said when – many think of Blake, they think of athleticism. When, when many think of Ben, they think of no jump shot. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time it comes down to that people really aren't watching the games in its entirety when it comes to Ben. I think that's a big, because I think you just know he doesn't shoot, you know he can't shoot, and then you look at the numbers and they're, and they're not really eye-popping. But I think when you really watch the game, he's often, when especially when Joel isn't there, he looks like the best player on the court like for long periods of time. And defensively, he's definitely the best player on the court, in my opinion, even though Joel's a great defender as well. What are you seeing from him this season and how has he improved on his game? And, you know, I'll be fair here. How do you think he could still improve on his game, not even talking about the jump shot? Yeah, I mean, well, first off, like uh, uh, numerous people have pointed this out to me. I probably should have mentioned it, that Ben was coming off of a couple of injuries to start the season. Maybe that had something to do with his poor play. Um, but yeah, early in the season, man, it was just his level of aggression with the ball was not very high and he wasn't seeking out contact around the rim. His free throws were his number of free throw attempts was like around the same as it was the year before and the year before that. Yeah. And we all just sort of were like, OK, when is this going to happen? Like, when is the Ben Simmons leap going to occur? And I think, you know, we've sort of seen over the past, I don't know. 15, 20 games, what that could look like. He's just been so aggressive. Like he'll just come down the floor in early offense and notice that his defender is like an inch the wrong way or a little bit flat footed and he's just gone. And that's the type of like, when people say that Ben Simmons' game can be boiled down to like aggression, that's the stuff that we're talking about. Like just see a tiny little opening. You're the fastest player in the league at 6'10". Just like, just get into that little crease and then like seek out contact around the rim. He's been doing a great job with that. Like I've, like you said, he can go through the chest of Rudy Gobert and yeah, finish yeah. around him. Like that's the type of stuff where we look at it and say, all right, where is that? Like more off, where was that the first 12 games of the season? Like it, it's, it's very strange with Ben. He's very enigmatic, like just with when it comes out and when it doesn't. Um, and then the other thing I highlighted in terms of like what he could still get better at is working on his left hand which is funny because he shoots left-handed and there I, I put clips in this video of like, like I'll freeze a, a, a shot at the rim where he has like, he has the ball in his left hand and could finish. And then the play turns into an over the head, like kickout pass. Right. Right, like, right. What are you doing? <laughs> like, right, right, yeah. I don't understand. Um, there's just some like weird aversion to his left hand. It's, it's very, very strange. Um, it has gotten a little better, but, I would love to see, I don't have like second spectrum or anything. If anybody could show like his left hand versus right hand finishes, I would bet that he favors his right hand quite a bit. Yeah. Um, in terms of defense, like how unique do you feel he really is? I mean, I used, I, I heard Doc Rivers, he actually used that word, you know, probably I don't, I don't have his quote here for 
verbatim, but he was like, you know, one of the more unique defenders we've ever had. Have we ever seen anything like him? I mean, I think we could look at somebody like Scotty Pippen and I don't, I can't really think of too many players that were better defensive players as him on the ball or even in help, but how unique is he? And is he one of the most unique defenders you've ever seen? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And I obviously wasn't, you know, around to watch Pippen in his prime, but from what everyone says about him, it's that like Pippen was as good as he was a man. He was even better off the ball. Right. Um, exactly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I actually think Ben is awesome off the ball, but he's even better on the ball. I think right. that's where, I think that's where his, his calling card is. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, there's so many guys in the league who we say can like defend one through five and, you know, Draymond held right. that for a while and he was maybe the best at it. And maybe you could say that about maybe Pascal Siakam or like, but like those guys don't lock up one through five. They don't, yeah. they're not guarding Damian Lillard in crutch time. Like right, right, right. Ben yeah. does that. And it's insane. Um, I, he truly locks up one through five. I would, I would be fine with Ben guarding KD. I'd be fine with guarding Kyrie. Uh, he guard Blake in the post. It's it's crazy. Um, yeah, really, really unique defensive player. Are you impressed by how professional Ben has stayed amid all those trade talks? Because that's often a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny. That's. Um, it was like three or four days after that where he like really turned his season around and started playing really, really well. Um, yeah. I mean, I, he has not set a peep. He's not been a bad soldier in like the least bit. Um, and there's been reporting that there was a certain point in the day where the Sixers thought the deal was done. They, there's one report that they even talked to Simmons and Matisse Thibel's agents and said, get ready to go. Um yeah, definitely a, a testament to him for just like staying focused and um, and possibly even using it for motivation. Like I said, it w- wasn't long after that that his season turned around. Right. Uh, so, you know, Tobias is playing great. Ben, we just talked about playing great. great. Joel, obviously MVP level. How much influence on that do you believe Doc Rivers has had with unlocking offense and also Daryl Morey when it comes to roster changes? How much credit shall we give them? I'm going to give more credit to Daryl because I don't, I don't think doc has done anything like crazy innovative. I think he's been a big improvement over Brett Brown, but I think the majority of what he's done has just sort of been not to, not to just badger Brett Brown, but it's been like common sense. Like, Hey, run more pick and rolls. Right. Um, yeah. Give, give Joel more space. Don't have three guys cutting through the lane when Joel's posting up, like just let him attack, you know, a right. set, set offense. Um, yeah, I mean, Daryl just, you know, getting those shooters in has has just opened the world up. And something I wasn't considering enough, like, it's really helped Tobias. I think that's, a, like, a huge part of what's opened him up. It's just having more space. Because I, I didn't, like, factor that in enough. I thought about with Ben and Joel, didn't think about it enough with Tobias, where Tobias was the best shooter in the starting lineup last year. And can you imagine trying to attack in the mid-post when the guys around you are Simmons and Bede, Al Horford, and Josh Richardson? Like, yeah it's impossible to get to the lane. And I think that having that shooting has really helped him, um, which I, like I said, I, I didn't factor in enough when thinking about his performance last year. That's interesting because I was actually watching, you know, Tobias and I was thinking, wait, did he, is there just more space or did he get a little more pop? Like, is he more athletic? He looked like mm-hmm. he was playing a little bit higher above the rim. So I'm sure it's a combination of both, but I think you're right, man. That spacing is just, it's just different. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how easy it all was. I I, I, yeah. I was ready to like write them off after last year and Daryl just snaps his fingers and the team makes sense again. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, man, when you have this kind of talent, I said this preseason uh, with Ben Joel, and now you have Doc and Daryl. I mean, that's a lot of talent. When you have that, I mean, that's a lot of basketball IQ as well. You have a chance to win a championship, in my opinion. Yeah, they do. They have a chance. That's more, that's, <laughs> that's more than you can say about them, you know, last year and oh, the year before they had a chance. But, you know, they have a chance. Yeah, Shake Millen, still very young. Do you see him making a leap in the future? Because I think he can when I watch him play. Yeah, I think he's made a bit of a leap this year. Right. Um, I would say he, another leap, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, the biggest thing with his season, he's just been a little inconsistent. Uh, he has had a couple of, like, 25 to 30-point games, and he's had a couple of games where he's, like, barely, you know, barely cracking the, the stat sheet. Um, yeah. So, Shake, I think, has has definitely made a leap in terms of shot creation this year. He's He's – getting so many good looks in the mid range floater range, that type of stuff. You know, he, he's not like an explosive athlete or anything like that. He's all skill and feel and length. And I think, you know, he's really leaned into that game. I, I like he's sort of showing some like Lou Williams stuff, like the one legged runners and stuff like that. I I've loved what he's turned into. And like you said, I, I think there's, there's another level to go there where he, if you, I think on another team, if you if he's in the starting lineup, you really turn it over to him like he, he could score 20. No, that's what I was thinking when I was thinking of Shake. Like, I feel like he's going to play well. Another team is going to see something in him, probably pay him pretty well, and he's going to get a lot more opportunity. And we'll say, look at all this improvement from, from Shake. Mm-hmm. But it was really that he just always had that. Obviously, with the experience, it helps as well. And, you know, he'll probably be in the MIP, you know, conversation with another team. Like, I could really see that happening with him. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of someone. I mean, maybe like Terry Rozier is the example of that, where he like definitely yeah. showed some of this type of stuff in Boston, but there was just never the need for him to be this guy. And then he goes to a team where it's kind of ju- it's like he's one of the lead dogs, and then he becomes this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's itch- I mean, a totally different position, but uh, Jeremy Grant is like that. Originally mm-hmm. from the process, you know. Yes. Originally from the process, it's good to see these process guys around the league doing well, right? They're doing great, man. Yeah. If you look at just the, the 2016 10-win team, it's Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant and Nerlens Noel's playing well for New York, and yep. Covington, TJ McConnell. Like you reassemble that team today, and it's like you might win, you might win a whole like 20 games. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Does OKC remind you a little bit of the process, or is it different to you? The the strategy itself, yes, but they're they're too good. They're too good. That's their <laughs> yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. SGA and Dort are just, you know those guys are good and really like, you know, carrying them. Yeah. You know what? I actually, I actually have been thinking about something process really. I might, I might write about this, but um, I'm looking at what happened in Atlanta and thinking about that as like an rushing, alter- the pr- rushing the process. Exactly. Yeah. Like an, that's an alternate process reality where, uh-huh. you know, the Sixers, because they didn't get a, a foundational star who was playing right away, that sort of forced their hand to just keep on being terrible. Right. But yeah. because the Hawks got Trey, they could talk themselves into, you know, all right, we got to we got to compete now. We got to do this and that because we got to show, you know, we're, we want to win for Trey. And they rushed all these things. They, they signed all these big free agents just because they could. And they fire their coach and all this stuff. And I'm looking at it, I'm just thinking, like, that could have been the process if, if it were done in a different time. And just like, man. It's it's weird to say, but like the Sixers might have got lucky with how this turned out, you know? Yeah, no. And when when Atlanta made all those moves, something didn't feel to me good about it. Like I, I heard a lot of, um, you know, great stuff. I heard great things from other people about it. Like this is great, you know, veteran leadership. But 
I definitely, it didn't feel good to me. I'm not even going to lie, you know? No, especially because I, I think it was very much unproven that Trey was like able to carry a winning team. And that was the thing that like, again, to tie back to the Sixers, the Sixers got lucky with Joel where it's like, as soon as he was playing, it was clear that they're going to be a winning team when he plays, right? Like they, they started winning games their their on off numbers were crazy and Trey just didn't really show that level and they kind of rushed it and they brought in all these guys. And yeah, like you said, I, the Gallinari signing especially doesn't look very good. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough with Trey because even when you look at the Sixers, your your two best players are really good. I mean, Ben is elite on defense and Joel is very, very good on defense. So your foundation right there, you know, with Trey, you have to kind of work around that when your best player is uh, not great on defense, as you know, to put it nicely. Mm-hmm. And they, they haven't done a terrible job of that. Like DeAndre Hunter is very good and yeah, exactly. is a good yeah. player and all, and all that stuff. And it's still just like, it's not all, it's not all clicking. Nope. Mike, last thing before we get out of here, um, are there any roster moves the Sixers might make going forward in terms of maybe not a specific player, but like a type of player they might need? Yeah. Um, well, I think type of player, I think it's gotta be, it's gotta be a guard a one or two guard. And man, I honestly just like, my gut feel i think they're swinging big i think they're going for the fences man i think they i think it would not surprise me if they make like a big offer for lowry um i think there are other guys you know like a evan fournier i think will probably be available um wouldn't shock me if they went after him like danny green and and some stuff to make salaries work um but yeah man i think they daryl has even said this on the record you know we're championship or bust. And we've seen in the past, Daryl's not afraid to make big moves in the middle of the season. Um, yeah. Like, I, look, when you have Joel Embiid and he's playing at this level with his health history, like, seize the window when it's open, right? And I think it's the right thing to do. You know, they might have to give up a lot to get a Lowry if they even can. But I honestly think that's where their head's at. Now, will that happen? I don't know. Um I think it's probably more likely that they just get like a George Hill and like a Wayne Ellington or something like that. But I think their sights are set on the big fish. Yeah. And it seems like Beal and Levine are unrealistic at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not happening. So both those teams are are winning some games lately too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mike, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Please let us know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm at, I'm on Twitter at M O'Connor underscore NBA. Um, and that's really it. If you want to see my YouTube content and stuff, you can subscribe to the rights to Ricky Sanchez YouTube channel, uh, or go to the website and, uh, and yeah, that's where you can find me. Mike, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, talk soon. All right, man. Combo nation. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of combos court and big shouts to Mike for joining in. We appreciate you combo nation. Don't forget to rate review and punch down on that subscribe button. Be on the lookout for episode 248. Combo out.